0: I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. I'm so grateful uh, to be here today. I'm so grateful that uh, today has come, actually. Over the last month, I've worked with lots of other people in to make this stage um, be as you see it today. I was really nervous waking up. I thought, oh, man, I want my family to love this. I want my family, not you guys, I love you guys, but not you guys, uh, my family. I want my family to love this. Can I move this stuff over a little bit as I scratch the floor? So I was thinking a lot about it. I was up late last night and I was thinking about How this is just a gift, that this is a a sacrifice unto the Lord on your behalf. This is something that we've prayed about and thought about and looked at and had a vision for and changed and sweat and cried every once in a while. And we did everything we could to make this stage awesome. I think it's awesome. I think this helps us showcase who Jesus Christ is better to a world that is watching, believe it or not, is watching. But listen, in the end, all of this is meaningless if it's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's chasing after the wind. It's vanity of vanities. It's just another example of a church building up to look great but meaning nothing. So, we must, as a family, rise to the challenge We must, as a family, dig deeper and go deeper to be built up in Christ so that we are not like many of those other places that preach the Lord, but their lives are different. Don't you want your life to be a life of integrity, one that the outside matches the inside? Don't you want a life that when the the winds of trial come, we look to the Lord and we stand strong. We do not crumble. You know, this church is a building, though this is not where God lives. You are where God lives. You are the church of Christ. Because what holds true for our building and how we can make the stage look a certain way, but then in the end it's meaningless, holds true for your life as well. It's so easy to put polish on to look a certain way, to speak a certain way, to act a certain way before others, but in the end, our heart is far from the Lord. Our heart is not being changed. Our building of our lives can lack substance. Some of us, I would, I would dare say all of us, are in one degree or another like the leaning tower of Pisa. Okay, I don't know if you guys remember that V8 commercial where everyone's leaning because they haven't had their daily dose of vegetables for the day. Well, it's the same holds true in our lives. Our foundation needs to be built on Christ as we're going to see, but in the end, we all lean a little bit. There's always another place that needs some support. There's always another place that can be built and remodeled to be a little bit better. We must be wise builders, though, in our lives, both individually and corporately as a church body if we want what we are building here as a family of God, as an expression of Jesus Christ's church here in Elmhurst, if we want that to be strong and durable and capable of withstanding the howling winds of life. This morning, we're continuing in our series called Portraits of Grace. And this week, we're going to be talking about the next metaphor given in the New Testament, namely the building. Some places it refers to as God's temple, the dwelling place, of God. We're going to be looking this morning at 1 Corinthians 3:10 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, please pull them out, open them up. No checking text messages. Make sure you're staying in your Bible app only. Or we have Bibles in the pews and in the annex as well. But this is important. I want you guys to be used to opening God's word when I preach. I put it up here on the screen as a convenience. But you need to bring your sword, your Bible, through which God speaks to you. In this passage, Paul has just discussed in the first nine, chapter, or first nine verses about how people in the Corinthian church were saying, I follow Paul, and another faction said, no, I follow Apollos, and another faction said, I do this, and that there was this sense of the people who they followed were more important than the Christ who bought them and died for their sins. So Paul is addressing this. He's saying, in the end, we should be focusing on following Christ, the true foundation of our faith, and not looking to people as important as they might be in the work of the Lord. So we're going to learn three lessons this morning I think are pretty obvious from this passage. The first is that the wise builder builds on a solid foundation. Wise builders build only on a solid foundation. Look at verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, field. This is where it says you are God's building. By the grace given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul uses, again, this metaphor of a building. What do you think of when you think of a building? I suppose I think of a building that, of course, has a foundation, and then on that foundation there are uh, walls that come up, usually made of wood or perhaps brick, and then they come together in all of these interesting angles and according to architectural and engineering principles to create something strong, something that is durable and will last. I live in a house that's 117 years old, 117, 115 years old, And I can tell you it does not look like the day it was built. By nature, gravity and erosion and time have taken its toll on the house. And because the foundation was not built on solid bedrock, on a firm foundation, but just in topsoil, however deep, over the years, inevitably, it begins to sag. Inevitably. This is what Paul warns us against. Building on anything other than the sure and eternal foundation of Jesus Christ. Because if we don't, in the end, it will sag. Last week we talked about the body being an organism and how we're all tied together, that each plays an important role, an important part. Here Paul is using a similar sort of metaphor. Paul is describing a structure that is not all one piece, not all stone, not all wood, not all any one but they come together to serve the greater purpose of the homeowner, namely the Spirit of God. We are being built up in Christ to become a holy habitation for the Lord himself. Some of us are strong walls that hold up a portion of the structure. We were made to be strong and straight and firm. I think of my prophets out there, the ones who will just tell you the truth. There are others who are paint on the wall. There are others who are focused on the way the inside is furnished because in the end, the homeowner is the very most important person. We're going to learn later on how when we build our lives in our church, we need to do so with Jesus in mind. But we all come together and is a system to create a structure that's being built and houses the living God. Don't ever, ever confuse this building as a holy place. What that ends up saying is, I need to go to church in order to pray. Or I need to go to Sunday worship in the morning in order to get to a holy location where we can, or I can finally be in touch with God. Did you know that you are the holy place? That when we gather together, we form the holy place the temple and dwelling of the living god in the end we have so many fights in the church not just our church lots every church about the building about the building our building is merely a convenient place to meet it is not the church it is not the church i was thinking about this and i'd even gone so far as to think about well what if we rename the sanctuary what if we didn't call it a sanctuary, but we called it a worship space or something like that? Something that took that S-A-N-C-T, sanct means holy, out of it. I got told no. I'm okay with that. Because someone brought out, well, sanctuary to me doesn't sound like anything but a safe place. I think of a wildlife sanctuary. Animals go there to not get shot. <laughs> Maybe that's, this, that's what this place is, a place where we come together and we find safety. Where we come together and we find respite from the outside dangers of the world, even though we inevitably need to go back out there. It's a place that we are restored. But don't confuse the building for us. We are the church. We are the church. This morning I was thinking, remember that uh, this is the church and this is the steeple. Open the doors. Oh, it's like this. And see all the people. I wanted to make that an illustration. I can't. Maybe you can figure it something out in your mind. But, but look, this is the church. This is the church. This is what matters. The foundation being the most important aspect. Jesus said, build your house on a firm foundation, on him and his word. Anything else is shifting sand and subject to change. Anything. The Willis Tower, I say that begrudgingly. It's really the Sears Tower. But the Willis Tower... Uh, you know, is one of the tallest buildings in the world. And it's not built on a foundation that's just 10 or 20 feet deep. It's not just built on topsoil. Like many skyscrapers, it's built on bedrock, on that stratified layer of rock deep, deep beneath the earth, a 100 feet down, a 100 feet. If it were built any higher on a foundation that was off that bedrock, over time it would begin to lean, as it is, little tidbit, The Willis Tower leans four inches. Four inches. I swear, when I'm up there, I can feel it, too. I'm like, oh, this sucker's about to go. I know it is. Christ must be the foundation of everything we do in the church and in our individual lives. He has to be. I speak to people all the time who are either non-believers or not-yet-believers or nominal believers, and they say some version of this. Religion is an important aspect of a well-rounded life, okay, as if your life were a wheel and it's just one of the spokes that support everything on the outside. The truth is, is that our faith, Christ himself, is the very hub around which everything must turn. The way we spend our money needs to be informed and influenced by Jesus Christ. The way we raise our families, the way we think about our world around us, the way we have fun, the way we do everything must be influenced on Christ. That by Christ. That's what it means to build your life in church as a foundation, on his foundation. Think of the word radical. Radical. It means root. The root what drives down. The root is what everything gets its source from. This is the foundation of Christ in our lives. So Paul explains that we need to be careful to lay a foundation that he laid for the church in Corinth, namely Christ. He came, he preached the gospel. He said, build on Jesus only, but they needed to be sure they were building on a proper foundation because in some sense they had not or they had deviated. Ephesians 2.18-22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Did you know that if you're sitting here today and you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a time when you were a foreigner, a stranger, stronger, an outcast from the life of God, separated from God by your sin. And everybody sitting here today was once in that position. But because of what Christ did, you have been brought near. You have been, you are being used to build the temple of the living God. He says, You're members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. By his spirit. When you live your day to day, do you ever consider that? I know we say things, and, but we don't really grasp what's happening. We say, of course, I know I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit because the Bible says, and so does all the theology books I read, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's a fact. I'm indwelt by the living God that God himself lives in your heart. Now, when we walk around and we want to do what we want to do and live lives according to our priorities, do we think about that? That God is here not just to woo me and love me and to say those are true. But Think about the power that lives within you by virtue of his Holy Spirit. Think about who's inside of you. Think about what it means to walk from day to day to interact with people, to love your kids, to talk to strangers, to shop in the store, everything with the truth that God is in you. But Christ needs to be sort of the foundation of the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. Now, we have Matt and Ivy Coffee here, and I'm going to tie it into the engineering architecture thing at the end, trust me, because they're going to come and rearrange everything that I've said incorrectly. But they will tell you that when you lay a foundation, there's a single point in the ground that serves as a reference point for, by which everything else is measured. When foundations were laid with individual blocks, that was called the chief, the cornerstone, the cornerstone. That stone was laid and oriented according to directions of the compass or whatever was in its surrounding location and everything built upon it took its reference point from it. It's a beautiful metaphor for our life in Christ. That Christ orients us. He shows us true north, aligned exactly where we're supposed to be. And as we live and move, as we, as we love and serve, we take our measurement from him. Okay, I, does this part of my house, of my life, does this correspond to the cornerstone? Am I, do I have the same distance from this cornerstone, from this corner of my life, say my relationships, to this corner of my life, say my intellectualism? Is there a balance there? Is it all oriented according to Christ and His being the center of our everything? Any church, any life. The reason, so throughout this message, I say things like your individual life and the life of the church. Let me explain that a little bit. There's a sense that individually we have our own responsibilities, our own interactions with the Lord. We're building our house, our life. But in a very real sense, and I would say even a more significant sense, according to the way the New Testament talks, we are one. So like we talked about last week, how I build my life in the privacy of my home affects each and every one of you. It matters because we're being built up together into a single house for the Lord. Any church that's not built first and foremost on Christ is in grave danger of falling in on its own weight. It does not have a solid foundation. Other things become priority in the life of that church. Let me give you some examples. And these are good things, these are not bad things. But if they're not built on the foundation of Christ, they fall flat. Preaching. How common today is it for us to say, I follow him, and another say, I follow him? It's like a page right out of 1 Corinthians. We build our lives less on what Christ says in his word and more sometimes on what this person says about what Christ says on his word. I need you to check me in my preaching. You should not leave here day to day saying that everything pastor said was right. There's always a fly in the ointment. There's always going to be a sense in which I'm off a little bit. The Bereans in the book of Acts were commended because they searched God's word to see if what they were being told was true. You have that responsibility as believers in the Lord. The other day, I was preaching on Gideon. I said Gideon had 70 wives. Of course, the next staff meeting, I was told about that. And my heart sank. Because they were right. Gideon had 70 sons. But I guarantee he had more than one wife. Come on, 70 sons? That woman must have been exhausted. He clearly had more than one wife, but I need people to hold me accountable. You need people to hold you accountable because your way of seeing things is not all correct either. It's only as we work together and judge according to the cornerstone that is Jesus do we understand. How about this? Missions and outreach. The hungry church. The church that does everything to get people in the kingdom and they their hair. It's like, what do we do with them now? I don't know. Churches that grow at such an alarming rate. And they're full of people who know nothing about what it means to follow the Lord. This was one of the big complaints even Bill Hybels had about Willow. That it grew quick and it found all this success in favor. But once they grew big, many of their people lacked a solid foundation upon which they built their lives. They would come when it pleased them. They would not when it didn't. When bad things happen, it it seemed like many in the life of the church were struggling the same way as anyone else in the world would, making the same bad choices, struggling in the same sinful ways. How about giving? Profiting? How about those churches that day one, boom, hit you. We need this. I'm going to hit you at the end, by the way, so don't get too... Boom, hit you. Not nickel and dime you left and right. Solid believers know that it's their responsibility to give. It's not our responsibility to ask you. A life built on Jesus Christ motivates you and it innervates the way that you give to everything. It's not a, we need this, all right. For lives aren't built on Christ. I would dare say even fancy stages and technological infrastructure is meaningless unless Christ is at the center. Some of you just may see new paint, colored lights, a beautiful floor that will help showcase Christ and give a better cultural context, and that's true. But every decision here was made, what does this mean for people hearing the word? Whether or not it's in here, some of you weren't too concerned about the stage. You weren't really have, like, why are we doing this? We don't really need to do this. And I hear you, and I understand that. But in many ways, the people who would have that voice are not the people that we're trying to impact by the way the stage gets changed. It's the people who are coming in for the first time, who from our area have a certain idea in mind. And whether or not they show up and see that is going to indicate whether or not they come back. Because the sad truth of it is, I say sad, it's sad. The sad truth of it is, if they don't like us, there's 15 other places they can go. In some sense, we want them to stay long enough to hear the miracle that is Grace Bible Church and to meet the people that worship and serve in it. Worship and serve in it. I I goof around sometimes with people. I say, you know, someone asked me about Christian dating. And they're like, so you're telling me looks don't matter at all? It's about the heart? I said, oh no, looks get you an interview. Looks get you the interview, but looks don't keep you, they don't give you the job. I joke, but there's some truth to this. The Lord we serve is beautiful. Beautiful. More beautiful than anything when people understand it. For what? It, he's more beautiful than anything that could ever be, and we want to showcase that and tell people that. We need to do it in a way they understand. 1 Peter Peter 2, 4 and 6 says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We're going to talk about that next week. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, Jesus and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So how can a church remain a church that is built on the foundation of Christ alone? First, we need to be searching God's word diligently when making decisions and asking for wisdom. There are a thousand books out there that will tell you how to make a church successful. There are only one book out there that has proven it, okay? We need to be in God's word for this church and for our life, everything. Secondly, Ensure our ministries, corporate and individually. So, what do we do here as a church? And what do you do in your life personally as service to others in the Lord? When we're evaluating those things, we need to ensure that they are absolutely bathed in prayer to the only one who can make it successful. The only one. The one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it, it will not be defeated. Why are we looking to ourselves when we got the living God saying that? We need to trust the word and what it says about what it means to be a church and the power of Christ in our lives. We need to reject man's way. Now, this does not mean that austerity rules the day. There are people who would say, like like we're Puritans or something, that That because we follow the Lord, we need to live the most simplistic life without any kind of lavishness or overflow or anything. But I would argue to you that we serve a God of abundance. And we serve a God who gives grace not just a little bit, overflowing grace. When he gave the design for his tabernacle, it was beautifully decorated by artisans, specifically made. God created them for this work to make his dwelling place perfect and beautiful. In the end, we build on the foundation of Christ in our lives and it has eternal significance. Paul uses a word picture, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You see, there is a day when our entire lives are going to be evaluated. This speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. The time that we come before our Lord and he evaluates our life. It's Kind of like our whole life flashed before our eyes. And he says, let's see what you did well. And let's see what you did that wasn't good. And anything that was not built on his, the cornerstone of him and motivated by the right action falls away. Falls away. And only that which is motivated by pure love unto the Lord remains. Those things motivated by faith remain. Even though this is talking about the final judgment, many of your texts might show a capital D, the day. This is also a microcosm. Our lives are a microcosm of this truth from moment to moment. When we're going through life, things are great. Suddenly, catastrophe happens. What do we do? What do we do? How do we respond? Do we respond out of the flesh in a way that serves our own needs? Do we respond out of the spirit in a way that God commands us to? In other words, when things get hard, do we withstand the heat? We can think we're building well. But in the end, it can all be for show. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Who, Who recognizes this? Does this look familiar to anybody? I don't want to hurt the floor. What's this? This was a piece of the molding, that big, heavy molding that was surrounding our stage okay look at it it's white it's dusty it needs to be clean it's white it's strong look how thick this beam is right this is what we saw when we worshiped okay this is what it is in actuality it's foam it's foam okay (laughs) i'm not suggesting we were being fake or anything like that This stuff is very expensive, by the way. I don't want to minimize that. But often our Christianity can look a certain way. And when the fire comes, it melts. It melts. Ask yourself, what is my life really built on? What's really going to happen when the day discloses it? Maybe my kid comes home and tells us something we don't want to hear. Maybe we get in an accident and had no idea it was happening, and so our whole lives are changed. What happens? Businesses fail. Health fails. Everything fails but the unfailing word of the Lord upon which we need to build our lives. Otherwise, it's just foam. It just melts. I want to put this over here. Thank you for letting me do that. I've held that for weeks and weeks just to give that illustration. So (laughs) all right, that was a long point. Second point, wise builders only build with quality materials. Wise builders only build with quality materials. Here it talks about gold, silver, costly stones. What's the significance of these items? There are characteristics about these items that we inherently know are valuable. The first is that they are durable. Gold today looks like gold looked 10,000 years ago. As a kid, I went to the Field Museum and saw King Tut's sarcophagus in it's gleaming gold brilliance. And you know what? It looked the way that it did. He was put in it. The day he was buried in that tomb is exactly the way that gold looked today. It's durable. Lasts forever. It's valuable. The What we build, the materials we use, the way we build matters. These gold, silver, costly stones, it takes time to build with them. You're not just slapping things together. Did you ever watched like a YouTube video on a jeweler making a piece of jewelry? all of the time and all of the intricacy and how it t- because he knows the setting that that stone is going in needs to be right. But that ring will last forever. Forever. What about the wood, hay, and straw? What's significant about these? Well, they're cheap. Well, pre-inflation. Wood used to be cheap. It's not gold yet, but wood is cheap. It's straw, straw, stubble. It's easy to work with, very forgiving. You miss a cut, eh, caulk it. Just kidding. Just kidding. Ultimately, it's flammable. It's flammable. When the day of testing discloses it, it burns up because there's no substance to it. So, how do we know if we are building in our lives with quality materials? There are a couple important ones. Marks of quality first, they're expensive they're expensive. Things in our lives need to come with sacrifice. That which we sacrifice for increases the value of it. In our Christian walk and in our really our human walk too, I mean, I think about it as a kid. Some of you guys had your parents buy you cars. Some of you guys had to earn every single dollar it took to buy that first car. I dare say the ones who had to earn it treated their car better than the ones who had it given to them. It's just sort of a natural thing that we deal with in life. When we work for something, when we sacrifice for something, we love it. Same thing. When we sacrifice for the Lord and there's some skin in the game, it's a gold, jewel, or costly stone. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be done with the right motivation in mind. When we're building with a particular type of of brick or a particular type of product or whatever, there are a lot of imitations out there that will promise you that it'll be easier, cheaper, more durable, it'll look better, but nothing replaces the real deal. Nothing. Our works need to be motivated by an authentic love for Christ. When we stand before the seat and Jesus runs our life through us, everything that's not built on love and faith will be gone. I once heard a pastor. I can't find it. I don't know who it was. It was on Moody during the day. So it was either Chuck Swindoll or it was David Jeremiah or one of those. That type. He was talking about this. And he said that. Anything built without faith or love is garbage. It's not going to withstand the day. And this man said, I've been in ministry 40 years. I don't know if I'm going to bring anything with me he says i think i'm going in with a foundation and a foundation only there might be truth to that there might be truth to the fact that in every one of our works even for the lord there's this mixture of sort of motivations why am i doing this for, i mean really why am i doing this what I believe is the bottom line is, is works motivated in love but not in faith in the Lord will be burnt up. Only those works that are done out of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ matter, because the righteous shall live by faith. It is the means for us entering into the kingdom, our faith. Finally, proven reliability. We build with materials that have been shown to be reliable. I think of God's word. How are we building? finally, durability. We need to focus on efficacy over the long term instead of expediency in the short. This is often seen in the way we do discipleship. For much of the Western church, what I'm doing right now is called discipleship. I'm standing here and I'm proclaiming the gospel and the things of the Lord to a room full of people who then are expected to go into their daily lives and live each and every situation they find with the truth I have just imparted to them. But that is not what discipleship looks like in the Bible. It's a means to get as many people saved as quickly as possible. It's a means of sowing the seed wide and letting it fall where it may. And here we are, Struggling is a church around the world. I'll say this, a church in the United States. The other rest of the world's exploding in a lot of ways. Church is just exploding. In many of those places that the church is growing, they've eschewed Western Christianity's principles. The Bible talks about pouring one person's life into another person's life that takes time. And then that person pouring their life into another person or two's life that takes time but we don't like that hard work we don't want to go day after day telling someone something pointing to the word then making mistakes coming back then you're doing it again then they fall again then you're doing it again and then then they move then they get married then they the hard work of truly discipling people for the kingdom the hard work of being a disciple of Jesus Christ There's a book, Self-Confrontation, that we use here in the church from time to time for our discipleship stuff. And in the beginning, it gives an illustration. It talks about what if you measured how many people could get saved if you could preach to so many people each Sunday and only a couple of them accepted the Lord. Versus how long would it take for the whole world to be evangelized and discipled even if you went by the small principle of one life on one life. The other way, talked about, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, thousands of years to do it. If we spent the time investing in others and the hard sacrificial work of one life on another and the way we do discipleship and the way we show who Christ is, it could happen in 32 years. Now, that's assuming everyone who heard believed. That's it, so there's a lot of assumptions. The point is clear that even though it's a slow start and it's hard work, it pays lasting dividends, and many of us live for today instead of then. Our church needs to live for long, solid gains instead of immediate gratification, immediate. This is why we're here for 90 years. This is why we're still a thriving church, able to do the work of the Lord, able to grow people in Christ, able to do what we do because we have built our foundation on Christ. And we need to reaffirm that each and every moment. Verse 14, "If what has been built survives, the builder will receive reward, receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. When we stand before the Lord, and we have our whole life showcased before us, and it's tested against the heat of his judgment. When it stands, what was really meaningful, what was done with the right heart, what was done with the right attitude, what was done for love of Jesus, even if everything goes, we'll still get in. Because it's the foundation that gets us there. Not even what we build on it. But I don't know about you. (laughs) I don't want to stand before the Lord and to say, here's all my stuff, and then when I'm done, gone. Bible says that we will receive reward when we stand before Jesus. We'll have the crown of victory. That we will receive differing rewards. Think about that. That some of us will stand before the Lord and won't bring anything but our foundation. Others will stand before the Lord and I'll say that they'll have a beautiful house that's half burnt on one side. Something like that. Varying degrees of reward. Some of you might say, well, I just want to get there. I don't care if I'm just getting in with the foundation. I just want to go. I just want to make sure that I'm there. Amen. But the Bible says that you will suffer loss. That's not a great phrase. Suffer loss. Even if you're saved, you'll suffer loss. Do it for the Lord. Go after the Lord with everything that you have. Verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together, we together, are that temple. God dwells in us, not in this building. We must be a church that constantly remembers that. That places the lives and hearts of the people in this building before anything associated with the building. We are the church We are the temple of the living God. Last point. Wise builders always build with the homeowner in mind. Wise builders always build with the homeowner in mind. When I was a plumber, I would hate it when someone would watch me work. Hate it. I can think of this woman. Anyway, I won't get into it. I was working and she was sure to make sure I was doing a good job, even though she had no idea what she was talking about. She, knew what it was, she wasn't a plumber, she wasn't a plumber. And I hated it. And you know what, I did a better job. <laughs> I did a better job. I wanted everything to look perfect. Where I might have just done one thing that was functional and proper, I did it to make it pretty. I went to the next step in the way that I did her work. I did my best. Well, God is our homeowner. God is our homeowner. How are we functioning? How are we building our lives? Do we build our lives the way we want, or do we build our lives with the priorities and preferences of the one who lives there? Jesus, the Spirit, the Father, Fly-by-night builders will have to give an account one day. He says that those who destroy my temple. To understand these words, I think that not that Paul is speaking about peoples being destroyed themselves. In other words, if I, I've heard this before. I used to smoke cigarettes. And someone who is a believer said, you know, you are the temple of the living God. He who destroys the temple is going to destroy, he who destroys is going to destroy, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying been a long day already it's 11 <laughs> and it really threw me off and then I got to thinking why well, eat a lot of fried chicken too <laughs> and my doctors told me that my cholesterol's going up and cholesterol being high could cause a heart attack but I'm God's temple so fried chicken out the door But they also say that you should get eight hours of sleep a night. But I only sleep six hours maybe. I better sleep so that I don't get destroyed. It's not what Paul is talking about. This idea that we will be destroyed if we do not build well. We've already seen that we will be saved even by the foundation of Christ should everything else come crumbling down. He's talking about people who bring in heresy to the church. This was a rampant problem. I was going to say in the first century church, but let's just say the church. This is a rampant problem throughout the church. People who will bring in strife, people who will bring in heresy and false teaching. The church has always struggled with false teachers. I believe this is an indication that we're probably doing the right thing. Satan's not going to waste his time trying to disrupt a church that's already off course. The same principle holds true as soon as you start doing something big for the Lord. As, soon as When I say big, I mean like finding freedom from that sin that you just took years to get over. And you finally find some freedom. Watch out. Watch out. Because Satan is there Waiting. Waiting. As long as we have strife as a church, as long as our local congregation even here has problems and questions and there are people who come in from time to time bringing in their own idea of how we should do things, I see them as evidence that as a church we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so I give thanks to God. I'm grateful to God that when I have a harebrained scheme to change a name of one room to another, people say no. I rely on you guys. And in many ways, you rely on me because we're building, being built together. Every person is important. Every person matters. So how do we build our lives in our church with the homeowner in mind? One, we allow God's priorities to dictate our design. I know there are people who walked in today and said, I don't like it. It's okay. But we're allowing our mission to dictate the design. Same thing in our lives. We allow our mission as children of God, ambassadors for the kingdom, to dictate the plan of our lives. Lately, I've been thinking about, I've said this before, why do I live in Illinois? Not counting, you guys are important. I love it here. That's not the issue. Why do I do anything that I do? Why do I do anything? Why do I have this house when I could have this house? Why do I have this when I could have this? Why do I? And I've been evaluating my life as to like what really matters yesterday someone said something offhandedly and it was like the lord was just like that's you like it was a red light ding i was trying to live my life instead of the lord's life i was trying to figure out what my prerogatives and priorities how do i live my best life now versus how do i live for christ so that i can have the best life then the best life then Maybe you're planning to retire in a certain place or at a certain time, but what does God want? What does God want? Maybe you prefer a life of study and quiet, but God is asking you to serve in children's ministry. Your life is not your own. So we allow God to dictate the design of our lives. Finally, we remodel when necessary. We remodel when necessary. There are things in your life that are not functioning as well as it could. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. But we leave them go because we believe that it's good enough. But when we bring in the equation that our life is not ours and that God himself dwells there, it changes it. We should be willing to take everything down when necessary. There could be areas of your heart that need refreshing and an update. And now is the time. Don't waste another moment being comfortable. Step out in faith and live your life. Arrange the furniture of your life to suit the needs of Jesus, not yourself. Not yourself live your life with the homeowner your homeowner in mind when you do remodel remember wise builders only build on a solid foundation wise builders only build with quality materials and wise builders build with the homeowner in mind let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord that um we thank you lord for all of your grace We were strangers and aliens, yet Lord, out of your love and the grace that you showed us in Jesus Christ, have brought us near and have begun a building project. Here in this church and in our individual lives, Lord, we could never have been brought to this place apart from you. Our eyes have been opened entirely by your grace. We thank you, Lord. We pray that we would evaluate our lives and that you would make it obvious to us where we're building on a false foundation. We pray, Lord, that we would embrace our area of ministry, the way that you've built us, and to provide our support to the church where we're placed. We pray, Lord, that ultimately you would do this for your glory and that our house, the house of our heart and the house of this church, would be a place that you you love to be. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of wise builders, Matt and Ivy Coffee are here today to give us an update on their ministry. Matt is an engineer, and Ivy is a... Could you hand me that microphone right there? And Ivy is an architect. And so it seemed quite apropos for them to come on up and to uh, talk about some of these things. So go ahead, tell us a little about what's going on.
1: That's absolutely right. As an engineering background person, architecture background person, this is a perfect, Pastor Adam's uh, talking about building is a perfect illustration of the ministry of EMI in the construction and design industry working with Christian ministries around the world on the physical space. Um, On the physical space, but like you, like Pastor Adam was saying, design with the homeowner in mind is, is so important to what we do. Uh, everything can look so nice, everything can look so well, but what matters is what happens inside. And what happens inside is affected by the physical space. It's not, it's not just you know, we can just discard everything about the built environment. EMI's vision is people restored by God and the world restored through design. They go together. They go together. We're busy trying to make signposts of that, uh, that restored environment, that restored space. We were in Uganda with our team there. They've been working for over tw- oh, just about 20 years in the Uganda environment, working with ministries to see design with the homeowner in mind come about. They're full of results. They've got quality materials. They've got beautiful buildings all around the country. But what matters is more. What matters more is the character of what's going on with those spaces. The character of what, how they go about their team. Just before we left, um, there was a, a, a literal foundation being laid. And there's a, there's a problem, Com- communication problem. Foundations in the wrong, slightly in the wrong level. People are angry. People are upset. Construction is halted. It's not just about the built. It's, it's going to be beautiful. They're going to solve the problems. But our role, talking with them about, remember, in the end, what do you think Jesus is more interested in? He's going to come around. Can you imagine him coming around, looking at this building and evaluating the bricks and evaluating every window, checking with a plumb line, making sure all the walls are straight. What What is he going to be thinking about? He's going to be thinking about, how did you work together? How did that ministry come into that? Did they follow my direction? Did they design with the homeowner in mind? I was going to share a little bit more about what we were doing in Uganda.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the core values of EMI is design diversity and discipleships. And this summer we're given the opportunity to spend two and a half months with the team in Uganda and primarily focus on the discipleship aspect of our ministry. Um, We got to spend time with them. Matthew spent a lot of time with the leadership team and kind of share his experience and coaching how to lead the team diverse culturally Ugandans and expat, and um, how to work together, in unity, and it has been a challenge for them, for the team, and and for me, I got to help with the physical design. I designed a few building for um, children's home and refugee center, but also spent a lot of time with their architectural team, their Ugandans, and kind of coaching, training um, in Pasam. Experience about you know their professionally as well as um mentoring spiritual mentoring, the interns um, spending the summer there and um and our boys they have their own little ministry. Mm. If I use the analogy of like construction that maybe they're the the people who bring in the three p m afternoon tea to the workers so they <laughs> they were friends they were just being friends with the people the children there local um local children as well as. Uh, missionary kids. And, and yeah, that's, that's been a great opportunity for us, and we were very thankful for the opportunities that we have um, to, to build people in that way.
1: And as you're seeing some of the pictures uh, on here, the, the many spaces are built, but what, and it's, it's important, and they work really hard, and it's difficult, and it's complex. But what's important is what happens inside those buildings. And, you know, as we go onward from here, it's a special opportunity to be able to do this. We're sent on these, on these assignments uh, because of our long, our, our long beards with, with EMI and the ability to come in and offer uh, essentially 40 years of experience with the company and try to invest that back into the people. And I think just reminding as well, Jesus is doing a beautiful work in this team. And it's so easy to get focused on the problems and on uh, the things that don't go perfectly. They want everything to be so beautiful. But Jesus is doing a beautiful work. And what he's building is this team together. Jesus isn't building those, those buildings, those bricks and all that stuff. What he's doing is building a team that represents his kingdom um, in that ministry, as they partner with different ministries. And Jesus is doing his work through that. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor, honor to be involved in that. We're heading back now to Colorado, or we're transitioning back to—this uh, was so much fun for us. We deeply, deeply enjoyed being a part of the life of this team for a while. Now we're transitioning back to our team in Colorado, and our boys are heading back to school this week itself. So yeah, we appreciate your prayers for us and your support of of what we do at EMI, and uh, pray for us as we reintegrate back into life in the USA and uh, our ministry onward. Yeah, yeah. thank you.
0: Here, stay up there. I'd like to actually take a moment to pray with you guys. Pray with me, Father. We uh, we we thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for Matt and Ivy's life and for. Uh, the vision that you have given them, the mission, Lord, that you have given them to build your church, the the teams that they interact with. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless their work. Um, We pray for Uganda, that the the foundation issues are taken care of and that they're done so in a winsome way that people can grow together and, and be stronger in the end as a result of this, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, they are back in the States and going back to Colorado. We pray, Lord, that you give them grace as they reintegrate back into that team and into that role. Pray for the boys, Lord, and we ask that uh, their back-to-school would be a smooth transition as well. We, we love you, Lord, and we love what you're doing through this family and this ministry, and we are so grateful that you've given us the means to partner with them, Lord, as they partner with you on your mission to reach the nations. We thank you, Lord, for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.